Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Oh, come on. We can. This is for you fellas. You ought to really be in this because if you stop by our spot on the way in, you know we took care of you, so I'm going to give you one more chance. Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. There we go. And happy Mother's Day to all of our both uh, physical moms and our spiritual moms, those that um, never cease to pour into us. And if this is your first time being with us, whether in person or online, I want to let you know that as I speak today, you'll see some page numbers on the screen, and those page numbers will correlate with the blue Bibles that are in your seat. And so if you don't have a Bible of your own or one that's easy to read, then please take that one as our gift to you. Um, If you know someone who doesn't have a Bible or one that's easy to read, then please take that one and give it as a gift from the both of us. And if you will find it easier to follow along from a Spanish version of the text, then if you raise your hand, one of our ushers will get you one of those um, this morning. You know, it's long been said that one of or two of the greatest hindrances to people following God's will for their life are finances and family relationships. And that's why we are um, leaning in today and beginning a series on the Bible book, The Song of Solomon, and we're entitled on this series, Victorious Secrets. You, you hear that uh, enunciation? You know, you don't normally get that with that East Texas slang that I have, that draw. But I got to be clear in this time. I got to be real clear. <laughs> this might be my last one. <laughs> How to win in love, sex, and marriage. And we truly want to be a part of the journey of people pursuing God with their whole hearts and seeing people make disciples that make disciples. And what that means is that we have to be concerned with helping those who are single pick a mate that will help them walk out the scriptures and date in a way that glorifies God and form marriages that also image the Trinity. And it also means that we should be concerned with strengthening marriages that already exist because in doing so, they will have a greater chance of glorifying God and imaging the triune God to all those they come in contact with. And so our passage for this morning as we begin this journey is found on page 399 of those blue Bibles that I mentioned. And it is in the first chapter, in the first six verses of the Song of Solomon, and here's what it says. And I got to get in this morning because we we got some good stuff to get into this morning. It says this, this is Solomon's song of songs, more wonderful than any other. Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How fragrant your cologne, your name is, is like a spreading fragrance. No wonder all the young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. How happy we are for you, O king. We praise your love even more than wine. How right um, they are to adore you. I am dark but beautiful, O women of Jerusalem. My dark as the kents of Kedor, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tent. Don't stare at me because I'm dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me. They forced me to care for their vineyards so I couldn't care for myself. My own vineyard. 
this is God's word. Amen. This is one of those um, kind of, I remember when I first heard that Jay-Z and Beyonce mix on that, that 99 bunny. I was like, man, that is a tight verse. And so they going back and forth in our focal passes just like that. And so um, we're getting at this. The Song of Solomon was written by Solomon, who also wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and some of the Psalms. The question is, though, how could a man who had um, over 700 wives and over 300 concubines be the same faithful lover as described in this book? You know, I love my wife, but I don't know how I could have 700 of her. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. Well, it's thought that Solomon wrote this book in his youth. He wrote um, Proverbs in his midlife, and he wrote Ecclesiastes in his old age. And this should also serve as notice to those who have enjoyed many years of great marriage, because in the same way that, that Solomon knew these things in his youth and walked away from them in his later years, we must be diligent to continually allow our relationships to be refined through the lens of Scripture, or else we'll be susceptible to losing what we once held firmly. Some of y'all, this is good. Some of y'all have been married over 20 years, but you haven't put in any work into your marriage since you went through premarital counseling. Oh, we, yeah, we there. We're going there. Therefore, our study is relevant for everyone. Even those who have no desire to be married, because while, while this book teaches a lot about our horizontal relationships with one another, it also teaches a lot about our vertical relationship with God. So this morning, we begin our journey by looking at what attraction is and what the scriptures say should be the basis of our attractions. And this is good for those who want to be married one day and those who don't, because there is a world of difference between desiring to be married and being attracted to someone or having someone attracted to you. And whether you are attracted to them or not, you still have to deal with people being attracted to you. And so today's passage helps us discuss these topics. The Psychology Dictionary defines attraction as the natural feeling or being drawn to other individuals and desiring their company. And and the thing I like about this definition a lot is that it sets it up in a way that um, attraction plays a role in those we want to spend time around, both romantically and non-romantically. And one of the things that we like to say is that we like to live our lives in a way where people would be drawn to our community of believers and want to be a part of us and serve the same God that we do. So that has nothing to do romantically, right? But there's a kind of attraction in the way you live your life where people say either I want to be a part of something like that or I don't want to be a part of something like that. When it comes to romantic relationships, though, we all have a type, and that's cool. It's natural. It's the way that God made us. A scripture bears proof to this. When we look at our focal passage for this morning, it opens up by saying in verse 2, Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. When the female tells um, uh, her lover that his love is more delightful than wine, she means that his Physical affections are exhilarating and refreshing and a great source of joy. See, see, this love that she is describing right here, right here, is the kind of love that drove Beyonce crazy. 
This is natural in how God made us. It goes back to when Adam fell in love with Eve at first sight in Genesis 2. It also goes to other passages like Genesis 29, 17, where, where Jacob sees Rachel for the first time and comments how she was a dime plus 99. That she was beautiful in both form and appearance. He says that about her, and God designed all of us to have a particular combination of qualities that we find beautiful, and there's nothing wrong about that. There's nothing wrong about that. Your mate should not be vanilla ice cream to you. She should have a little little sprinkles or something with it. All of them. You don't even put all the, all the enunciation and, and, and syllables in all of them. <laughs> but here's the thing. How alone should never define who? If we want to win in love, our how and our why should combine to determine our who. Here's what I mean by that. How someone looks physically should never be the sole determining factor in who we date or marry. And let me explain why I can say that. See, Matthew 6.33 says this. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. See, I have a lot of Bibles in my, um, my biblical library, and I read this verse in a whole lot of different versions because I was looking um, for extra footnotes or something to see if it was there. And what I found is there was no footnote that said, except for when you're dating. That wasn't in mine, man. There was a couple times I looked really hard for it, I tell you that much, but I couldn't find it. That means that when it comes to finding a mate who we are attracted to, it should be a mixture of someone who helps you pump your fist when they walk by in that dress or that, or that suit, but also someone that helps you live out God's principles. It should be someone that sends your heart racing. My heart was racing last night as I saw my wife get all dressed up. I'm telling you. Doing your thing. Therefore, we should not be looking for the one, but, but, but for someone who we find physically attractive and based on the scriptures has the qualities that help us fulfill the will of God in our lives. So what are the qualities that we should be looking for when it comes to letting our why combine with our how in order to determine the right who? Well, we'll start with the women first. A couple of years ago, there was this uh, internet post that went viral where there was this young lady who would give her potential boyfriends uh, the bay test to test their Beyonce knowledge uh, to determine whether or not they were compatible. And if they didn't score high enough, she would say that you got to go, that you can't be the one. But if they scored high enough, in this case, she posted about how this guy knew enough about Beyonce and her music that they could be together. Now, this is sad. <laughs> you know, it's no secret that I participated in online dating. That's how me and my wife met. 
But in the process of online dating, because of how I answered my questions, I had a lot of young ladies that reached out and said, you know what, I am looking for a godly man. And on the surface, that sounded great because it sounded like they were letting their how and their why combine uh, to determine their who. But here's the problem I ran into. So uh, three of the initial questions I would ask in that process were this. What did you read during your quiet time this morning? How do you plan on applying that truth in your life today? And how do you serve as a part of the biblical community that you belong to? It got real quiet in here, boy. And that's how I got online, too. There are several reasons why I ask these questions, and I'll discuss a couple of them here and then a couple in my next point. The first is there's absolutely no way to know what a godly man looks like if you're not in God's word. See, you know, uh, books by your favorite author, podcasts, following influential Christians on social media are not bad things in themselves. They just can't be substitutes for getting into God's word for yourself. I wanted someone who knew what God said a godly man looked like, not just an influencer's word for it. If anyone was going to be a greater influence on my mate than me, I wanted it to be God. The second is, I wanted to know that she had spent time not just seeing, but doing life with some godly men. I'll point out why just going to church is not enough, but actually doing life with biblical community is important. Now, here's the deal. Here's the caveat for all that I'm going to say this morning. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then none of this matters. Go out and give him the bait test. Do that. Do that. But if you have then Matthew 6.33 is true, and these questions are important. Upon asking those questions, very often I receive responses like, you know what, I need to start reading my Bible. You know, I'm, I'm, I really need to start doing better about that. I'm looking for a church. I'm, I'm really too busy to get involved right now. And this saddened me because it showed me that even as Christ followers, we have bought into it an exception clause that does not exist. And being out there in them Christian dating waters, and I'm going to tell you something, them Christian dating waters really ain't no different than them secular dating waters. One thousand. I found out that many Christian singles were not seeking the kingdom of God first in their relationships, and it means that we're making decisions based on our feelings rather than God's promises. Listen to this. Since, Since the 1960s, Um, sociologists have found a progression of young American men and women who demand more and more um, from love, but are getting less and less from their marriages. In 1967, a study of college-aged women um, found that 76% of women said that they would marry someone, uh, marry a man who had all the other qualities they were looking for, even if they didn't feel romantically in love with him. More recent research says that 91% of them said absolutely not. What is it that God lifts up as qualities a woman should look for in a man in our text? It's found in verses 3 through 4. The lady in this poem compared her lover's name to perfume, and in biblical times, a person's name represented their character or their reputation. 
So comparing Solomon's name to perfume meant that his character was pleasing and attractive to the beloved. The word on the street had him as wise and upright. The other women didn't think he was a dog. He hadn't tried to date all the women um, that were in the single ladies group in the church. He hadn't tried to date all the girls in the youth group. He hadn't, he don't try to ask out every new lady to the church. Man, it's quiet in this joker. He wasn't known as lazy or incompetent. He hadn't played around with the hearts and minds of other women. His name was like all poured out. It was an offering. It was a gift to the community that he was a part of. For this reason, she said that many were attracted to him. And back when I was single, you know, when I started dating a new young lady that I thought had real potential for a serious relationship, um, what I would do is I would set up time with her to have either coffee or breakfast with some women that I was doing biblical community with. And I would tell her that going into this, I wouldn't be at this breakfast or this coffee. I would tell her to ask any questions she wanted. Absolutely nothing was off, off bounds, um, out of bounds for her to ask. And I would tell the women that I was in biblical community with. Some older, some my same age, some younger. I would tell them whatever she asks, you answer it absolutely truthfully. Don't hold anything back at all. Because I, there was a purpose behind this. I wanted her to know my name. I wanted her to ask as many questions as she liked so that she could see my character, so she could see the type of person that I was. Single ladies, my goal is to get you to care as much about your significant other's godliness as a wife cares about her husband's godliness. It's his character that will help keep your life mission alive as feelings begin to fade. I've rarely heard of a wife complain to church leadership about her husband's looks. When wives have, have asked for church leadership at, at all the churches I've been a part of to speak to a husband, it's never been about looks. It's always been about his character. All the Facebook messages I get from, from friends um, asking for, for relationship advice and counsel have never been about, man, how to get his six-pack back. And we all know that kegs are more um, valuable anyway. Why you want a six-pack when you can afford a keg? <laughs> it's nice to carry grips and everything. <laughs> God made this for you, girl. <laughs> Shoot. You got to know how to flip that thing. <laughs> Good teaching. Good teaching. Find a man with solid character, a job. As a son of a single mom, don't bring no dude in your house that's going to be smashing the cushions on your pillow all day while you out working. Oh, yeah, I'm going to speak that. Who is growing in the Lord and pursuing godliness. Please, single ladies, don't just... Merely play lip service to character. You know, character and godliness are important, but I feel like uh, my boyfriend loves God in his own way. I'm going to tell you something. In, in, in church, when you're singing a solo and you hear somebody say, have your own way, Lord, that's not because you're doing a good job. Mm-mm. 
that his own way addition to the end of it, that's, that's, come on, people, let's be real. Ask yourself, what will you desire most in a man in 10 years from now when you have kids in a house and are sharing life together and the infatuation has faded? Find that. Look for that. Singles, while you're single, this is the last time you get to be selfish. I'm telling you, the, the, the most solo decisions I get to make in my life is whether I want hot sauce on my piece of chicken or not. <laughs> this is the last time you get to be selfish, singles, right here. You better find what you're looking for in my Kirk Franklin voice. <laughs> most married women desire men to be godly and have a good sense of humor, to be an involved dad, and to have a good, strong work ethic. But often those four things fall to the back when Christian singles are dating. Don't ignore the workhorse who, who, who just puts in a lot of effort for the dreamer who has a lot of plans. Because I'm telling you, man, dreams don't fill up sandwiches. Dreams don't fill up sandwiches. Don't value immediate sexual chemistry over a man who keeps his word and lives a respectable life. Also, this don't be caught up in a man's position. Or maybe he's wealthy, or maybe um, he, he, he's a leader in the church, and, and because he's this or that, you think um, you can make assumptions about the rest of his life. But here's the deal. You don't marry a position. You marry a person. And there are plenty of people um, who are wealthy, who are stingy. There are people who are in ministry who are jerks. And you will get yourself caught up into some bad positions. Don't let a God's position distract you from his person and his character. You're looking for character, not status. You want to find a man who is solid in his core, not just someone who has a solid title. Acts 6.3 says this. It says, And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom, and we'll give them this responsibility. This is what the early church used to choose the leaders of the church. And you should use the same thing to choose the person who will lead your home. Think about it. Men who are filled with the Spirit, they are alive to God and God is active in them. And men who are full of wisdom, you won't regret making a choice founded on this basis. Can this honestly be said of your boyfriend? He is a man full of the Spirit and of wisdom. If not, are you sure you want to settle? Singles, don't treat your dating relationship like it's marriage. You need, like, you need to be honest right now. I'm not trying to break anybody up, but I'm trying to save you some heartache. If you see some red flags, you need to pump the brakes. And that doesn't mean forever, but you need to get some stuff together before you take the next step. But don't worry, fellas. Solomon didn't leave us out either. He got some good stuff in here for us. Remember I told you that was a reason why I asked those three questions of, what did you read during your quiet time this morning? How do you plan on applying that truth in your life? And how do you currently serve as a part of the biblical community that you belong to? Well, the final two verses of our passage for this morning bear this reason. The text tells us a couple of things about the woman who has captured Solomon's heart. Listen to this. First, she is not afraid to work. The reason her skin is dark is because she's been working in the fields. 
I remember when my church collapsed. We had money stolen from us. We had went through a hurricane, and I was looking for my next step. And we, were, I said, we, we need to look at moving. And Trisha said, baby, if I got to go work at a grocery store, I'll do it. Come on now. The second is she is able to submit even when she does not agree with those who have authority over her. The third is that she's a giver. She's able to put others before herself. You know, the ladies I dated were not the only ones who grabbed a meal with friends. I also asked for permission to do the same thing. I wanted to know some things as a part of that. Is she able to submit? If she can't submit to the perfect word of God, then she'll never be able to submit to a flawed person like me as I try to lead her. If she won't put in work into her relationship with God by spending time in the scriptures, then why would I expect her to put work into our relationship? Has she displayed a history of submitting to those who have authority over her in biblical community that she belongs to already? To expand on, and I, here's the deal. I know this has been used in a ton of bad ways. And so if you want to hear more about how this looks in a healthy way, go check out Jill's message from a couple of weeks ago on Ephesians 5. Is she willing to put in work? If she won't serve a good, perfect, and holy God, I would be a fool to think that she would serve a jacked-up person like me. If she's unwilling or incapable of showing the love of God in her life right now, what will keep her doing it once the infatuation stays passes in our relationship? Is she able and has she shown evidence of putting others before herself? After all, that is what the Holy Spirit does when he submits to the Father and the Son. He doesn't submit because he's lesser in value, but out of love. And in Genesis 2, she is called by the same name as the Holy Spirit is referred to in the New Testament. How can she be my helpmate if she doesn't have a heart that produces a life where she regularly helps not only those close to her, but also those she doesn't know just out of the love that she has for God? Fellas, within a marriage, it's actually a blessing. And I have the scriptural references here. To be captivated by your wife's breast. It's a blessing. But when choosing a wife, we also have to be careful about putting more weight on the things that last. And in case you haven't noticed, a woman's physical appearance changes much more rapidly than her character. Your girlfriend might very well be all over you right now physically, but if you're not married, that in itself is a sign of selfishness. When she wants you, she's enthusiastic and initiating. But if she loved you, if she genuinely cared for you, then she would want God's best for you in Christ. She would hold back from inappropriately physical uh, intimacy. She wouldn't want to taunt you or tempt you or pull you away from God. If your dating relationship is sustained by sin, what will sustain your marriage? If your girlfriend acts selfishly as a girlfriend, why do you think she won't act selfishly as a wife? The same sin that moves your girlfriend to get too physical too quickly before marriage is the same sin that will kill or perhaps maim sexual intimacy after marriage. Sin, by definition, is overturning God's created order. In God's created order, there should be no sex before marriage and lots of fulfilling sex once you are married. And I know that's unpopular to say today, but I'm going to stand on that one. (laughs) 
That's why when choosing a wife, you want to find a woman who is seeking God's kingdom first. You want to find a woman who is seeking righteousness now. If she isn't a mission-based woman now, when you date, what will make her a mission-based woman once you have the wedding? Find a godly um, wife who is motivated by God, not just by her own desires. God would never stop loving you. God would never stop caring about you. So if a woman is motivated by God and listens to God, she'll keep loving you too physically and also because God will give her that love and motivation that she needs. And let's be real, fellas. If we're just all real, there are some times where we're not that lovable. Last night I received a community award. And a lot of people clapped and cheered for me. And then I went home, and, I, and my wife still know I'm the same dude that left the house before then. Don't let the rented tuxedo fool you. If your future wife isn't motivated by God, then there's just not enough about you to keep her interested in the long run. Here's the deal. Um... I told you I grew up uh, as a son of a single mom. And my dad actually um, had a girlfriend before he met my mom. He had a girlfriend, and they were dating, and his girlfriend went off to college. And while she was off at college her freshman year, she met this other guy, and she got pregnant by him. That kind of puts a damper on relationships, you know, when you get pregnant by another dude when you're dating somebody else. And um, so they broke up. And so then he met my mom. And um, they dated for a lot of years, and then at some point I came along, and then um, around the time I was in fourth grade, the lady who he dated previously went through a divorce, had a ton of debt, but she knew a guy. She reached out to my dad. My dad immediately broke up with my mom and almost immediately got married to this other lady. Um, about a year into their marriage, um, uh, she started cheating on him two years into the marriage. They got divorced. He was now eyeballs high in debt, and he was a shell of himself, never returned to the person he was or had the kind of joy that he had before then. Never returned to the type of person he was. And we were on a fishing trip, and I was sitting in his truck, and I don't know why he discussed this with me, um, but he did. He said, you know, um, if I had someone who could sexually please me like this other lady, but had all the other qualities of your mom, they would kind of be like the perfect woman for me. And I was sitting there listening to that. And it was a little bit after that that I said, Dad, I think I'm going to stay a virgin until I get married. And he said, you'll never make it. And I said, watch me. And I couldn't really articulate what was hitting me, but I was like, I know I don't want my life to go like yours went. My dad just died, and, and I told y'all about that. The last three years of his life, no one came to visit uh, except for me as he laid in a home. But you know who he reached out to on a regular basis for companionship and talked to on the phone? Boy, y'all, whew. And I said, man, he missed somebody who was loyal to him even when they, he did them dirty for some infatuation in the dating relationship. And see, I, I couldn't articulate it, but I didn't want that to plague what God may give me as my best in my future. 
And see, I think if, if more of our moms would be serious about that with their daughters and more of our fathers would be serious about that with their, with their sons, about how previous relationships and things they've done in their dating relationship, when they acted outside of God's will, still plagues their marriage now. And they still they're comparing sexually what happened in their past with their current relationship and is maiming what God has for them now that we would have healthier marriages in the church. And see, while I didn't do what he did physically, all the stuff I saw on screens and books and everything else also played a role in things that I've had to wrestle with God with in my marriage. Let's be real this morning. At some point, we got to tell the world that I don't care what you say. We're not following your advice on this thing. God's way is better. Proverbs 12, 4 warns young men. A worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. There's been plenty of women who were passed over in the dating world um, that when their husbands talk about just their servant's heart and how they love their family, guys have just drooled over. And there's also... Plenty of men who married women that were just drop-dead gorgeous, who later found themselves in misery because of the superficial decision they made. So we have to be wise. And, you know, I've been out of the, out of the dating world for a little bit. Um, so I've invited some friends that are at different stages of singleness uh, to join us this morning to answer some questions to tell us how it's looking on the ground these days in that dating world. So would you uh, join me in welcoming uh, Kendall Beamer, Mara Rojero, and uh, Lorenzo Entley to the stage. All right. So we'll, we're going to jump right in here and keep this moving. We have a couple of questions um, for y'all guys this morning, and y'all can jump in and answer. The first one is this. As a Christian who wants to be kind and loving, or at least appear to be. Nobody wants to intentionally be seen as a jerk, even if you are a jerk, right? Um, How do you handle situations where someone expresses interest in you, but you're not interested in them? And then the kind of follow-up to this is, what is an example of when you did this poorly and unintentionally hurt the other person? I'll I'll take this one. I'll take this one. Um, I'm not, I don't do very well with this, and this has happened on a couple occasions where I either just ignored them or didn't respond, kind of ghosted them. But <laughs> they're all married now, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, I also would say that I am not great at this. Um, historically, I think for several years, my strategy or I guess the way I handled that was to just kind of withdraw or ignore Um, and I'm like maybe this guy will just forget that I exist if I uh, just kind of back up right Uh, plot twist that does not work well Uh, I know you're all surprised by that I'm sure Uh, but yeah so I feel like now I'm more um, willing to have a hard conversation right Uh, about where I'm at and where they're at Um, if that situation comes up I'm more willing to have that conversation rather than kind of just prolong it and put it off because it seems to always come back uh, yes. one way or another. Yeah. Yes, yes. 
As for me, it kind of goes um, something like this. Um, I would start off and basically say, I'm flattered that you found me attractive, basically. And, um, and I would tell them I'm not in that particular headspace right now. So that's how I would tell them. But the, a poor example have I've done this in the past was like someone was attracted to me and I basically told them the same scenario and they didn't really receive it very well. So at the end, they began to um, continue to lavish me and so on and so forth. And I ended up blocking them on Facebook because I found out they were trolling me on Facebook. So that kind of like hurt that person. But now that I'm a little more mature about it now, I'm, I'm willing to dive into that deeper conversation. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of y'all guys for a couple of reasons. One, um, no one said that they, they sacrificed a live chicken just to kind of throw them off in their face and make them think something was going on. But um, two, that none of you use the Jesus juke. That's, that's one of my, my biggest things is, um, it's the most terrible thing you can do as a single in that, in that place is to be like, you know, I think God is calling me to singleness right now. You lie, you lie, you lie. <laughs> you know what? And, and I'm telling you something. If you approach someone who uses that line with you, then you know for real that that's not someone you want to be involved with anyone. Because if they'll lie on God, man, they'll show enough lie on you. And I'm telling you, there's people who were killed in Scripture for lying on God. If you don't like a person, just tell them, like, man, I'm not interested in you in that way. That doesn't diminish your value, but I'm not interested in you in that way. And, and, and let them go on about their business. But also don't be accepting no gifts or having them do errands at your house. Or, or having them do all these kind of things like that. We got to speak some truth. If you don't like them like that, then don't have them playing a the boyfriend role. Number two, as a single, what helps you not let physical appearance be the sole determining factor in who you date? How have you made missteps in this area in the past? And what guardrails have you put in place due to those mistakes? And let me just clarify that a little bit. Um, when have you seen yourself like attracted to somebody and, and really you start attributing qualities and stuff to them that really wasn't there and you realize only later on that, man, this is pure infatuation. They're like, this is all about how they look that has me attracted to them. And, and what, what have you put in place to help you not make those same mistakes again? Because we've probably all made those mistakes before. Well, I'll take this one. It goes in line with what we talked about this morning with Matthew 6.33. My relationship with Christ is more important than anything else. So I keep him at the forefront of every decision I make concerning this decision. Mm -hmm. And missteps that I've made in the past with this, I didn't have him at the forefront. And we all know what happens when we don't have him at the forefront. The flesh gets involved. And this is where the lust of the eyes take over. And then things go awry, and, and they go awry, and they go out of order. So with that, what I've learned is to not trust my heart. Whew. Because the Bible says out of the heart, the heart is deceitful above all things. things. So I know now not to trust my heart in a matter of when it comes to fleshly things or when I find someone very attractive. So safe, safeguards I've placed around myself now it's to, I've surrounded myself with a community of people. Come on, man. Who that are willing to speak into me when they see things, they see the red lights that I don't see. Yeah. And I've given them permission to 
speak to those things in my life. And, and this, what helps, this is what helps me avoid those mistakes moving forward. Yeah. For me, um, I just make sure I value the opinion of people around me. could be your coworkers or your community group and what experience they've had in past relationships and hearing their wisdom with that are kind of the guardrails that I've put up so that I'm hearing the correct type of advice and not listening to romantic comedies and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 the rom-com. Yeah, I would just piggyback off of both of yeah what both of you said is similar. Uh, I have people in my life who are not afraid to call me on things uh, when they see it, and that has been very helpful um, in avoiding some of those. Man, you know that is so good what y'all are sharing. But, you know, I, I've had times where it'd be somebody in your community group show up and be in a whole relationship that nobody in the community group know about. You can't if you dating. All your solo time is spent dating alone. You can't do that. Um, one of the things that me and Trisha did, because we dated long distance, um, we, we had a thing where when we would spend weekends together, that um, one day would be solo, but the other day would always be in community with, with the other one's biblical community so that we could spend time around those we were in biblical community with, and they could see that other person and speak into it. Um, before I dated Trisha, um, so I grew up as the fat kid, and um, I got turned down a whole lot. So that's why I can, I can negotiate real well now because I know how to hear no. And, and no don't scare me. Um, you got to shoot your shot. And um, I got married later in life, not because I didn't shoot my shot. Um, and, but, but in that, as a part of that, um, before I dated her, I, dated, I, I, I got to a point where I lost some weight, started feeling good about myself. I had a good paying job. I had a little money in my pocket where I could, where I could travel. And uh, I started dating a model at one point. I mean, a, a real full-blown model that had billboards up in the city where, where I would go to visit her. Um, but my pastor's wife was like, hey, when I talk to her, y'all have some major theological differences that I'm concerned about. And I was like, but do, have you seen how fine she is? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we can make this work. Grace. Well, I thought we talked about grace around here. You're so judgmental. Look at how fine she is. And, but ultimately, I listened to that, and it saved me a lot of heartache. It saved me a lot of heartache um, just leaning into that advice. But you can't do that if you don't um, live life in community. And then here's our, here's our third question. Outside of physical attraction. What is the most important quality that you are looking for in the person you date? And what are some things that you look for as evidence of this quality? I'll take this one first. Um, so there are some specific things that I am looking for in, you know, in a guy that I would um, date. And I think when I, when I was thinking about you know, those different things and what it could boil down to, I think that main thing is consistency for me. Um, consistency between words and between actions, right? Um, I want to be with a guy who says he loves Jesus, and then I want to see that in his life uh, by how he is growing in the word, how he is in community, um, and how he's serving the people around him. Um, so I think that's really what it boils down to me is consistency between words and actions um, in Come faith, on. but then, you know, outside of that as well. So, yeah. yeah. In line with that, um, consistency is important. Important, but I have a good friend that once said that she says all the time something like this: "You can trust a person's pattern." Mm. 
you can trust their pattern. So I look for patterns in a person. And I can trust what you're going to do. Your pattern tells me everything about you. Um, and the most important quality I'm looking for in this person, I'm going to caveat that with a Proverbs 31 woman. That's what I'm looking for. That woman is hard and hard to find, but she's out there. But mm -hmm. I can't only look for this Proverbs 31 moment, woman. I has to be a um, Ephesians 5 man, which Jill mm. touched upon a few weeks ago mm. about what marriage looks like as Christ loved the church. I must love her more than I love myself. His email is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and what are some of the things that you look for as evidence of that quality? Well, there's another scripture that said that you will know them by their fruit. I don't pay attention so much about what you say. I pay attention to what you do. Mm -hmm. Because what you do will tell me who you are. The good book says that a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a, good, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So I'm gonna, your actions are going to tell me who you are. And you can't keep that charade up for so long. Yeah. It's soon going to tell on you. Yeah. 90 days, 120 days, six months, a year. Sooner or later, you're going to slip. Yeah. Mahara. That's, how can you follow that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> amen. <laughs> yeah. You know, just somebody who's authentic and genuine when they're around our people, their people, and then when it's just the two of us. Somebody who is, like has been said, consistent so that you know they truly are who they're portraying to the people around them as well as when it's just the two of you. So that kind of authenticity is important because, yeah, kind of like what both of them have said, it's the character completely. Yeah, man, and that is, that is just so good. That consistency piece is something that we have to be looking for and something that has to be demonstrated. One of the things that we talk about, um, and thank y'all guys so much for joining us. Give, give them a hand. Here, here's the definition that we use for wisdom. Wisdom is knowing the right thing to do and being able to do it in the right moment. Spiritual maturity is all the area under the curve of you knew the right thing to do and you did it consistently over time and it was observed by the body of Christ over a prolonged period of time of you doing what you knew was the right thing to do when it was the time to do it. So there's a stage in all of our maturity where we dated uh, the knucklehead or the person who was going to draw us away from God. There was a stage in all of our maturity where in a dating relationship, we thought that we could uh, Netflix and chill on the couch um, after a certain time and that we were strong enough to withstand it. There was a time in all of our relationships where we made those things and that's not being wise, because later on we said, man, I shouldn't have did that. We shouldn't have been there. Wisdom is saying, no, 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 no. We're not about to start this movie right now. You got to go to the house. And we can watch this together through Zoom or FaceTime, but we can't be together right now. That's wisdom. And doing that consistently over time is when you see spiritual maturity happen. And here's the reality. Before we can make wise marital or dating decisions... We have to rid ourselves of inferior motives. The wrong why will always lead us to the wrong 
who. Let's let our how and our why combine in order to determine who we date. We have a beautiful Savior, and his beauty is a result of his obedience to the Father. In his word in Matthew 12, 48 through 49, it says this. It says, Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. What Jesus was trying to say is that not all my skin folk are my kin folk. What he was trying to say is that he didn't just attach himself to people solely based on how they looked. Then he went on to say this. He says, anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sisters and mother. As you look for people to attach yourself to, look for Jesus' kinfolk. But here's the deal. Unless you have a relationship with Christ, Jesus' kinfolk won't be looking for you. One of the best ways I've heard this described is, instead of looking for the one, you should run as hard as you can toward God. And while you're running with all your might, you should look to your left and look to your right and see who's running in the same direction. And when you find someone who's able to keep pace with you running toward God, invite them to come run beside you. And if they sustain that run with you, invite them into something deeper. Christ wants to be in a relationship with you because he has a heart for the broken, the lost, and the hurting. He's the only one that can take the broken and make them new, take the lost and give them direction, take the hurting and sick and heal them. Entering into a relationship with Christ starts with admitting that you've fallen short of God's standard, even our relationships. None of our relationships are five-star relationships. I know you might be thinking, I had a five-star relationship. No, none of us had five-star relationships, and that's why we need God. That's why we need grace. Admitting that you deserve to be punished because of your sin. Confessing that you'll never be good enough and that it's only by Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that you have life. Christ is our forever lover. And let's let the way that we choose our mate be an expression of our love for him. Now I'm about to pray. And if you make that decision to enter into a relationship with him today, I ask that you use the information on the screen or on the back of the chairs to let us know so that we can walk beside you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you. We ask that you would be with us, that you would keep us. That as we walk through these um, relationships, we will walk through these different experiences in life, that your Holy Spirit will give us wisdom that your body would come around us and be guardrails, that we will remember, Father, your love for us, the value you have for us, and we would act accordingly. We wouldn't act out of desperation because you're not a desperate God, but that we would love you with our whole heart, that we would seek you first and trust you to give us everything we need, as your word says. So we love you, we thank you, and we bless you in your darling son Jesus' name. Amen.